head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast right now to support the podcast and sign up for our premium content and now here's the podcast the pride of limerick the young man named sean sheehan the mma media don graham mcdonald the severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot. And I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 223 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, a.k.a. Shawnee Podcasts. Joined today by the secret of Irish MMA media, Graham McDonald, as we talk about a, a pretty insane night. It was actually a bit of a mixed night of MMA last night. We also talk about some big news in part two uh, of the podcast uh, and all, all things like that. Graham, how are you? How are things? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I I uh, didn't stay up for the fights. I watched them this morning without without knowing the the results. But I, I thought there were some very good fights, uh, especially the top three fights that I really enjoyed. Yeah, I think like if you were to look at it on paper, it's it's probably not the most uh, enjoyable or exciting night of fights. Like you have, I don't know, like uh, maybe under under the first few fights, but you have like Stipe there. You have Cormier, Diaz, Pettis, Romero, Costa. You know these guys are pretty exciting fighters historically. Mm-hmm. But okay, coming into it definitely was. But how it happened, apart from the top three, and I suppose that's the way you want it because a lot of times we have cards, and maybe not a lot of times, but uh, sometimes we have cards that are like. You know, the prelims are the best part of the card. <clears throat> and then it rises and rises and rises. And maybe it's not as good. And may, you know, sometimes it is. But this is the card. This is the card you kind of want. You want the card that maybe... You know, you don't want the card to start off slow and boring. But you want the card to build to a crescendo and build to the, the kind of the, the best and biggest fight. And I think that's exactly what this delivered. I, I think, you know, coming in... If you, if you look at, you know, the undercard, there wasn't really anything... You know, to stand out on the undercard, Sabina Mazzo, I thought she fought well. I, I thought she was good against Shayna Dobson. Uh, you can get in a win there, and you had Hannah Cypher as well, both winning by decision. Yeah. Uh, Cody Sandhagen, <coughs> Sandhagen, I thought was uh, mm-hmm. yeah, the, it, the stand there. Like he, we talked about how difficult it is to look good against Aston Sale, but he, like, he didn't look spectacular because it's nearly impossible to do that against Aston Sale. But he looked good, and he, he showed that he knows what he's doing on the feet, and that he's no mug on the ground, and that he, he was ready for this fight. Like I picked Aston Sale to, to win that as my bet because mm-hmm. I thought like I thought this was a this fight could go either way and he was an underdog and obviously the the bookies were seeing where I saw that he was ready when I thought maybe he wasn't but maybe I was thinking he wasn't ready because we've seen a lot of guys pushed recently too quickly and it's it's becoming like a, a trend but obviously Sandhagen he he rose to the occasion and uh he's he's a, he's a serious serious fighter and serious prospect yeah like I, I agree with that, and his size as well. He's, I think, at, in that division, one thirty-five. When you're fast as him, when you're as technical as him, when you yeah. have that size, it's you know, it's obviously very, very good. And you, your three vets, sure. that division will be cut soon. And they'll be like, "Sorry, Peter Yarn, sorry, Sandhagen, <laughs> yeah. you're just nobody cares. Go home, <laughs> go to one FC." That is true. <laughs> it's for your three bets this week and my three bets this week. All fucking lost. All lost. And oh all, st- all. I think Steffi got two out of three, and all three of the people she picked won. So she did very well. So I must get her on. Yeah, so what do we know? Go listen to Steffi's podcast yeah. for a bet tips instead. <laughs> definitely, definitely. But the people asked for it, so we said. Sure, 
we now? We're going to potatoes from Ireland. We yeah, don't have a clue. We haven't a clue. Yeah. We're, uh, we're about to collapse like zombies <laughs> at like 5 a.m. by the time these fights come around. That is true. That is true. Uh, Steffi picked Casey Kenny as well. I thought he looked good, especially on the ground against Manny Bermudez. You know, a guy who has, I think, 11 of 12 wins by submission or something like that. Uh, so to go on the kind of the ground with him and maybe not dominate, but, you know, hold your own and win a lot of those exchanges on the ground, that was pretty good. So he's one to look. Uh, you know, at 145 pound or 140 pound uh, catchweight <laughs> coming up there to look uh, to keep an eye on him. Karma Wardy as well was good, and Drakkar Close. We know what we kind of get with Drakkar Close. He's a he's a little bit of an ass and so really because you know he's a tough guy to beat, and if you don't beat him, you're not going to be rising up. And you know he's a guy who could be rising up as well. I know he called out. Um, uh, I always call him Jason Gillespie. What's his Gregor Gillespie? Jason Gillespie, Gregor, the, yeah. the fantastic uh, cricketer from years ago. Uh, but that, that's a good fight I'd like to see. But I, I don't know if he's rising that far at the moment and that fast. Uh, but you know it, it wouldn't be a it wouldn't be a bad fight uh, at all. I'd say. But the way they're matchmaking though, these guys are getting pushed earlier than historically, like in in the the Silva era, era, mm-hmm. era, yeah. era. Um, so maybe these guys do get pushed. It seems it's like a lot less wrapped them in cotton wool than than there have been in the past. They they used to kind of pick guys and kind of try and try and build them up, but nowadays it's just kind of like a sink or swim. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely is. And you know, I suppose you know, as we talk about the that preliminary card, rows and rows, and then the main card I thought was. Very good. The whole the whole guard was very good. That Derek Brunson Ian Heinish fight, you know, it's funny because this card, especially with Aston So, we look at it and we see him as kind of the yardstick for greatness. I always call him that. I think Brunson is kind of that middleweight as well. And Ian Heinish didn't meet that yardstick. He didn't climb over it. You know, I thought in the first round, uh, he came out and he threw a lot of shots. And Brunson, for maybe, he's done it before, but not as much as this. I think he was very, very smart, very, very kind of slow about his work, took his time, and came on strong in the, in the second and third rounds. Heinish, I thought, just uh, uh, just got really After tired. a strong first round, yeah, mm-hmm. he kind of, both kind of figured him out nearly, or just had that top-level experience that that he uh, that his opponent didn't. So, I wouldn't... Uh, Derek Brunson's a kind of strange one where, as you mentioned, he's kind of just below the if you if you kind of, below the upper echelon. If you if you pair him up against any of them, you kind of think, ah, oh, no, he's gonna mm-hmm. it's not gonna be a good night for him. But you know, he is still that doesn't make you not a top quality fighter. But it's just it's just uh, not everybody can be like a, a champion or or a real contender. Yeah, watching Derek Brunson, I'm like. Oh, counter, Derek, counter. Just let your hands go. Just counter. And, like, I'm sure he's a bit like that as well because that's the way he usually fights. But the yeah. fact he didn't do that here actually won him the fight because he was taking his time. He was pushing forward a little bit. And he won two rounds because of it. And maybe we need to reevaluate Derek Brunson a little bit because if he can fight, you know, the way he fights a lot of time where he counters and lands a big shot, he leaves himself open doing that as well. But if he can add a little bit of that to what yeah, we saw better last game night, planning as well. Like, mm-hmm. sometimes when in his fights, you, you think what was what was he doing there you know yeah. <laughs> uh but you know sometimes it can click sometimes it can all of a sudden it can click but uh it's just there's a lot of guys that are very good at the top of that division and it's going to be very difficult for him but i wouldn't like i wouldn't rule him out completely but it, it's 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 one of those where i'd be surprised very surprised he's like kind of like um you know, for an example of somebody who who kind of was at the stage of Derek Brunson and turned it around is Michael Bisming. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people were thinking, oh, he's just below upper echelon. Every time he fights an upper echelon guy, he's going to get smoked or he's going <laughs> to, you know what I mean? And then he turns it around. So you never know. Things can click. Things can come together and you never know. But I think um, I think the 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 other fight, the Omero Paulo Costa fight, you could see the 
how dangerous the guys are, even even at Derek Brunson's level. You mm-hmm. could see him losing a few of those fights as well. So yeah. it's he's a he's a good fighter and he's he's a good yardstick as you said, but it's uh it's 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 a big step up to the you press along that division. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we get to those top three fights, you have to mention Sadiq Yusuf as well. It just he looks he looks so good. He was hurt in this fight too. And you know you know when you're talking about guys like Sadiq Yusuf, you know he has I think he has the technical ability. He has the power. He kind of he has the chin. He has the the athleticism to to be a really really good fighter. But has a guy like that the heart? Has he the balls for the for the fight for the the violence of it? And I think last night he the proved stones. he has that. The stones. For I think last night he proved he has that. You know he was hurt there. His eye was closing up. I, I thought Benitez had him. I really did. I thought the, the fight was over. I thought Benitez was going to win it, and he came back and he landed that big shot and he got the finish. So Sadiq Yusuf is a guy. You know if people don't know if, at featherweight, he's a guy coming through that you need to keep an eye on because he has it all. He's a good wrestler, good takedown defense. Uh, excellent striking. He just has it all. So Sadiq Yusuf is definitely a name not to to forget. But uh, the the top three fights in. How did you have the the Paulo Costa Yoel Romero fight scored? Yeah, I did have it for Costa. It was it was a close fight. It was it was it was a really enjoyable fight. But it was strange for Romero. He seemed they mentioned in the commentary. He seemed his footing or his balance or something. Maybe there was some injury there or something. Or maybe he was just thrown too hard and getting caught off balance. But he didn't seem as composed and uh, patient maybe as, as his other fights and I think that cost him like obviously he cost his swings hard and Romero's uh, shown like in the past and in this fight uh, as well that he has a hell of a chain mm-hmm. but uh, if he had to just mix in a little bit more wrestling like I think he probably would he probably would have won this fight but he he seemed to, to want to win the Santa battle more to prove something maybe uh, when, when it was an easier route to victory of taking him down but uh, you know the the first round, I think, was Costa. The second round, mm-hmm. it could have went either way, but I, I think, uh, I think Costa took it. Like, and then the third round probably went to Romero, but it was it was too too little, too late then. Yeah, I hundred percent agree. I think one and three were one to Costa, three to Romero, and I think two was the very, very was a very very close round. But I'm same as you. I had it for Costa as well. Um, to me, watching this fight was a very very foolish fight by Oil Romero because I feel like. He could have won. Did you, did this you notice? Fight. Did you think there was some, something wrong with his like balance or something like early on, like something might have happened or maybe he seemed a bit like you know he's usually much more light footed or something. He seemed a bit wobbly at times. To me, it it to me it seemed like he just thought this was an easy fight. He thought he was winning every second of the fight. He's sticking out his tongue, saying like, "Oh, you can't hit me." And the, the reaction afterwards suggested the same as well, acting like he'd been absolutely robbed when he really wasn't. Like to me, this was like just a one of like the cockiest displays in USC history. Honestly, I I just think he he thought it was easy. I, th- I think he thought he was just smashing Paulo Costa. He wasn't getting hit with anything, and he was just landing everything on Paulo Costa. And he could you know he could put his yeah, hands just because you can take the shots and keep coming doesn't mean those shots aren't scoring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you know just because you got this monster chain and you can just wait forward doesn't mean like you know in the main event we can talk about waiting forward and taking mm-hmm. shots like and how it can cost you it, like yeah. it can really cost you. I feel like it was a little bit like a sparring session for a Yoel Romero and you know it's amazing when you're talking about a 40 year old who's competed at the Olympics who's you know one of the most grizzled veterans in terms of combat experience in the in all of MMA in the UFC for him to do something like that and I think that's what it is I don't I don't think there was really injury obviously you know I have the fight fighting a fight you're gonna have bits of injuries but 
I uh, I really think it was it was a stupid disillusion from Yoel Romero. I think the fight was there for him to win. Now, take nothing away from Paulo Costa. I didn't think he could keep up that pace that he did, and he definitely got a bit tired towards the end of the second uh, and into the third. And he's never won a, a he's never gone past the second round in his professional career before. In tough Brazil, he went to a third round and he lost. So for him to win a decision, yeah. that's big he got a, he got a break for like a good two yeah. or three minutes when he need. That was that was a great decision. He was getting hit with a few punches, so he just uh, need him in the balls and <laughs> got a chance to recover his, his brain and his cardio and obviously Yo Amaro looked a bit tired as well so he was probably happy enough to, to take the time but maybe that actually ended up playing into Costa's hands a bit mm-hmm. yeah and you you know you, what you were saying as well about Yoel maybe not having the speed and not having that you know I called him the mousetrap last week where he just releases and it, it goes he didn't really have that yeah, it was more sloppy it was more yeah. desperate or something I don't know maybe he was looking for that big shot and thought he could land that one big shot and put him away and that was what he was doing but it wasn't what he usually does and I think if he had done what he usually does he would have won this fight yeah me too and it felt a little bit like it felt a little bit like he, someone told him, oh, well, one big shot is not enough. You know, you, you're going to have to try to win decisions. You're going to have to maybe get more output. And I think that's wrong with Yoel Romero. I really think that's wrong with Yoel Romero. He needs to fight the way he fights. You know, Yoel Romero is going to win most fights where he lands one big shot and knocks you out. That That's what Yoel Romero is to me. He's not... Like, okay, he can win the fights by decision, because, but he because he'll win... But we talked about it last week. Yeah. You know, wait, wait, explode. Mm-hmm. At, like like explode like this much lighter fighter like lighter weight fighter and just use that ex- extreme athleticism and explosion uh, sparingly but at the right moments and that's not what he did yeah it definitely isn't and look Paulo Costa now going forward he he's, says he's going over to Australia he wants to fight the winner of uh, Adesanya versus uh, Gaslam and you know I, I couldn't argue against that I think that'd be a good fight I think uh, I think he's put himself right in the picture and you know when you beat Yoel Romero you are one of the best in the world we, we've said it a couple of times already in this podcast um, but uh, yeah I, I definitely think uh, I definitely think he's he's right up there for the, for the next title shot so looking forward to, to seeing him next um, what did you think of Nate Diaz how did you think he looked um, I think yeah I think he, he mentioned it himself he got tired when he usually doesn't get tired but I think after like you know Dominic Cruz is talking about if you prepare correctly there is no ring rust but I think there is mm-hmm. like even if you're even if you're not rusty the, the, the guys around you are probably getting better as well like when you're out of the game like I know Nate Diaz is very active and more active than probably nearly any other fighter would on a three-year layoff, but it's still a three-year layoff. And Nate Diaz is a slow starter anyway, uh, historically. He kind of takes a while to get into it. His game kind of wears you down over time. Um, and five rounds is better for him and for his brother, as he, as he mentioned. But mm-hmm. I, I think like it was, it was, it was a, re- it was a really good performance for somebody who's been out for, for three years. And, you know, uh, he just, he, he fought smart. Like he, Early on, he kind of clinched with Pettis and kind of, you know, Pettis has shown in the past that there's a, there's a weakness there of getting backing himself up against the cage and being there to be taken to be taken down or clinched. And Diaz worked some good dirty boxing, like you know, brought it into his game. And I thought it was a good, it was a really good performance, but it wasn't like the best Diaz we've ever seen. But after three year, considering a three year layoff, I think it was a very good performance. Yeah, I personally think Nate Diaz was a little bit lucky that he fought Anthony Pettis here because anyone else, I think he probably would have lost. I thought he looked very, very rusty. He looked excellent on the ground, like you know, like he always does. But on the field, I thought I thought he was taking lots of shots from Pettis. I didn't think you know the the shots that Pettis landed would have the effect on Diaz that they did. And you know, early three or four shots, I thought they hurt Diaz, but. 
his his pressure, you know, we said it last week, his ability to pressure Anthony Pettis to, to push him against the cage and get the clinch. Like, I knew, and I mentioned it. Even though you always, you always, always have to make Pettis think about the takedown. Like, mm-hmm. Wonderboy didn't, and obviously he was winning the fight, but got knocked out. Um, but Pettis didn't have to worry about the takedown there, and Diaz was smart in, in making him worry about the takedown. And uh, obviously Diaz is very good on the ground, but Pettis is also very good on the ground, and he's very good at when he when he showed in this fight, and he showed in a lot of fights over the years, even in that brilliant fight with Benson Henderson in WBC. That when you have his back, he's very good at spinning and getting into getting into your guard as well. So like he's no mug on the ground, but you have to you have to put that in. If the smartest way to fight Pettis is to put that into his head that you're looking for takedowns here just to make him more hesitant with the strikes and obviously Diaz uh, you know uh, he's got some good striking himself but as you said his timing didn't look quite right and that's but that's completely understandable after after three years and I was, I was expecting I wasn't expecting the best Diaz we've seen like he, it's very hard to expect that after three years so I thought it was a very good performance and did look more than enough to or did enough to get the win handily. Yeah, he he definitely won all three rounds. I think and nearly fight, finished them as well. Like you know, Pettis yeah. showed some good heart there as well after eating a few big knees. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he definitely. And I think this fight will bring him on an awful lot. But Anthony Pettis, like, uh, he's he's the most frustrating fighter in the world to watch for me. <laughs> it's just it's so annoying. Like to get clinched. Ned Diaz is a very good clinch. You know, we saw it against McGregor. We saw it in other fights as well. He's a very good clinch. And we talked. I talked about the clinch last week, but I thought. You know, Pettis gives you a chance to get out. But he'll pressure you and he'll throw lots of shots. But if you have the right footwork, you can circle and get out against Pettis. He always gives you that chance. You know, he's not like someone like a Rafael Desan- or Rafael Desanio, sorry, who will pressure, pressure, pressure right up against the fence and push you up there. Now, Nate did, did that a little bit. But he is not that heavy wrestler that should be keeping you there, that you can't avoid being kept against the fence. <sighs> Yet Pettis constantly was. He constantly... He just... Like he, he, Nate Diaz was really smart, and he took this fight. He got the takedowns. He got the clinch. You know, we I spoke about it last week. That's how you do it with the pressure, with the pressure striking, land your big shots, and push him against the cage. But I, I really didn't think he'd push him against the cage as much as this. I just thought Pettis would be better, and he wasn't. This was really the blueprint Pettis that I've talked about for years again, and he just made it an easy night for Nate Diaz to be honest. And it was this was a good tune up for Nate Diaz really. That's what it was, and Pettis made it that. And I'm, I was very disappointed with how Pettis fought. But like you, you have to you have to give it up to Nate Diaz as you said. Three years out of the cage, he came in, he got that clinch, got that takedown early in the first round, and he's effective grappling. Won that round after a relatively close uh, first round. The pressure against defense again in the second. One of him and Pettis got tired. Uh, uh, a big knee from Nate Diaz. Pettis hurt, hurt, hurt himself uh, on a check leg kick from Diaz yeah, as well. Yeah. Like obviously the leg kick is has been a kind of torn in the side of both Diaz brothers over the years. But uh, that check definitely you could see the stumble afterwards and uh, from Pettis and he didn't really throw any any more leg kicks after that. So that was that was very good from Diaz to to show a little bit of you know a little bit of evolution there. Like a lot of times they just they just kind of the Diaz kind of it seems like they're just like oh I'm I'm too tough to bothered by leg kicks but if you do check them it'll stop them and it, it, it is an advantage to your game and it gives you an advantage in the fight so yeah that was that was good that was good uh that was good very good from diaz like uh he switched stances if, as well well yeah he? yeah and it, like you know if pettis does start getting off a few nice leg kicks and it does show a bit of wobble that's going to give him more incentive to throw more and we've seen like rda kicking we've seen loads of times people kicking nate diaz in the leg uh, effectively so that was I thought that was very good from Diaz. Yeah, and as well, I think 
just in general, it's great to have Nate Diaz back, isn't it? You know, to, to have Nate Diaz there, to have him back. He called out Madsville afterwards. Yeah, there's an extra bit of excitement around Nate Diaz and both of Diaz brothers. I've always been a fan of their fighting style. I think nearly all fighters and fight fans are a fan of their style. And uh, it's it's always entertaining to watch. And it's a little bit different than, uh, than others as well, which, which I always like. Yeah, 100%. And look, the fact that, you know, he's back now and, like... To me, Diaz is a little bit like a Rousey or a McGregor. Maybe not in terms of the draw and stuff like that, <clears throat> but in terms of just the excitement he brings to it. He really is like... <laughs> even, you know, calling out Masvidal, saying, who, who's he going to fight next? Talking about who's he going to fight next. And maybe he took that away from us a little bit because he wants to fight Masvidal. It's just so great to have him back. He's so ex exciting. He's a really good fighter, exciting fighter in the cage as well. And it's interesting to see what he's going to kind of do next because, as you said there, there, there was changes to his game. He did check those leg kicks. He did switch stances a little bit okay he looked very very rusty on the feet to me that'll improve that'll get he'll get back to normal uh he looked great on the ground as always again and you know if he puts a little bit of you know a few of those takedowns together with the, that ground game especially against someone like Masvidal it's a it's a very interesting fight so I'm look, really looking forward to seeing what's what's next for Nate Diaz and hopefully he's back to back pretty soon um the main event the main event this was just to me I, I gave it a I gave it a 7.9 in my ratings I think it was a brilliant fight in terms of how it ended, how Stipe came back, how he f how he fought so badly for me for the first three rounds, and then just rescued it. Like this is a fight to me that I watch like Anthony Pettis, and I'm like, he's doing it wrong. He's just he's never gonna do what's right here. He is he's letting this fight go. He's really letting it go. He can't do what he's doing, he's letting Daniel Cormier win this fight, okay, Daniel Cormier might win anyway, but Steep is not doing the right things to win this fight, and then it all changes in that fourth round, now some of that is down to Daniel Cormier as well, he started jabbing and fighting a long distance, he started fighting Steep's fight after Steep fought two and a half rounds of Dan fighting Daniel Cormier's fight, but Cormier started coming out, jabbing those high hands, Stipe said it, he's like, he's fighting with those high hands, blocking his face, so I'm going to go to the body, and he hit him, I counted him today, 19 body shots, Stipe Miocic hit him with, 19, and then he came over the top with that miraculous one-two, if anyone listened to the podcast last week, that's what I said, one-two and out, and that's what he hit him with, one-two, and it hurt him, put him up against the cage, and he knocked him out, Herb Dean, maybe one or two shots too late, we won't criticise him too much, there was an earlier fight in the night, actually, we could criticise him for but brilliant by Stipe Miocic it was how impressed were you with with Stipe to come back and how he won it yeah it was looking it was looking really bad like uh, it was looking like he was going to get dominated and he looked like he was getting tired and um in the first round and he got obviously he was picked up and he, he was slammed hard and it looked like Daniel Cormier was going to have his way with him but he stuck it out like he he managed to avoid any huge shots from from Cormier he he after the initial kind of uh, grappling change, he actually, in the fight, he did well in the wrestling against Cormier. Uh, Cormier was, they mentioned it a lot on the broadcast, his hands were down and he seemed to have no respect for, for the, the striking power of Stipe, which is crazy. A guy who's got so many knockouts and any heavyweight, really, who has decent striking to knock you out. Um, but Cormier just seemed seem to have no respect for it and that's what happened you know you, you wade forward with your hands down and a big guy like that hits you hard you're, you're going to go down and Stipe smell blood and finished it really nicely mm -hmm. Um, I think Cormier kind of threw the fight away like he could have if he had a fall a bit smarter and I think his corner <laughs> said to him we're doing the exact opposite of, of what we want 
And like, you know, his corner, obviously working with him for whatever, eight, six, eight weeks, maybe longer in camp. And they obviously weren't happy with what he was doing and wasn't following the game plan. And he, he kind of thought he was winning, but he was, he, he, and he was winning, but he was winning and living dangerously and at heavyweight, especially he, he, even one shot. Yeah, Stipe was landing a lot more than one shot, but even one shot can put you away. So I thought that was naive from Cormier and kind of, he, he kind of, you know, contributed to his, to his own downfall a lot. Yeah. But you can't take anything away from Stipe. He toughed out a, a lot of hard hard minutes and hard positions and took some shots himself and was tired, but he, he kept in there and kept throwing his shots. And that's that's what happens at heavyweight when you when you have no respect for you to, for a good striker's power. Yeah, I, I think it's this fight, maybe to go, kind of go, just go through what actually happened because it was it was such a kind of a whirlwind for a while. Um in in the in the first round, Steeper was just waiting and waiting and waiting. He wasn't throwing that one two he needed to throw. Uh, I I think to to get Carmi into that position where he could beat him. Uh, DC was landing on on the outside. He was he was doing actually in the first what he attempted to do in the fourth, but kind of it went against him. But the difference was he was able to kind of get the clinch. He got that takedown. He got that big big slam. He landed a lot of hammer fists towards the end, and Herb could have stepped in and stopped that, but he did a good job of not not stopping it. Uh, in the second, Stipe was totally drawn in. He was getting into that clinch. We said he shouldn't get into. DC was landing on the break. He was hurting him. Uh, Stipe landed his shots too. He landed a good few shots, but DC definitely won the round. The third was the the closest of the first uh, three rounds. I still thought DC won it. Um, Stipe hurt DC with a 1-2 and it looked like I don't know if it broke his jaw but there was definitely like maybe broken teeth or a, a sore jaw anyway because even after the fight you could see it and during the fight you could 100% see it there was blood coming from his mouth uh, Stipe got a takedown but he did tire late and I thought at the end of that round that was the time where DC could have t- taken that fight from him. Steve looked tired. He looked like he had all these shots thrown. He looked like the power was just totally gone out of him. And then at the start of the four, DC just came out jabbing. He gave him time to recover. He gave him time to fight the fight he wanted him to fight. Like I was, I was over and uh, Bother did a show and. I was talking about this fight, and I was talking about how Stipe needed maybe like three really good minutes of domination, or two, you know, two or three really good minutes of domination to win this fight, to get the finish, to get the knockout, and that's exactly what happened. I didn't think he'd get it, but nineteen unanswered body shots. Oh, okay, I say unanswered. Daniel Carmi was landing a few shots over, it, and it was funny. John Anik on commentary said, "Oh, DC shots seem to be having more of an effect," and I'm like, "All right, you need to forget your best friends with DC here, John, and call the actual fucking fight." And I like. I don't criticize John Anik much. I think he's a fantastic commentator. But this one was this one was very egregious to me. I was like, what the fuck are you saying? He landed 19 body shots and they were clearly having an effect on him. And he came over the top and obviously landed that big one too and was able to finish him. But to me, like it was it was one of the best comebacks in UFC history. Because it's not just it's not just a, a great comeback and adjustment in a fight. This was a guy who'd knocked you out in a round. This was the heavyweight championship of the world. This is fighting Daniel Cormier. And it was going terribly. You know, you've yeah. been knocked out before. You'd lost your belt. Down. You... Yeah, you're three rounds down after losing the first fight against the pound-for-pound pound number one fighter in the world. And you come back and you win that fight. I don't care how badly Daniel Cormier started fighting. For you to do that, uh, you know, after the third round, when you looked tired, you looked like you were out of that fight. And to win that, that was miraculous. That was, that was the stuff of legends, like, and, you know, I think the argument's over now, Stephen Miocic is the number one heavyweight of all time, he's beaten Daniel Cormier, he's beaten, you know, Francis Ngannou, he's beaten over him, he's beaten some of the, the best in the world, 
he uh, he's you know defended his title more than anyone has ever defended it. Just a brilliant by Stephen Miocic. I can't stand him. And you know we talk a lot about Daniel Cormier and, and the media. You know he's the media darling over in America. And, you know because he's a really good uh, guy with the media. He he does interviews. He talks very well. He seems to be a really really nice guy. But Stephen deserves those plaudits as well. Okay, he's not that media friendly. He's not a great interview, but he seems like a really you know good guy. He's a fireman. He goes out and he st- he saves people's lives during the day, and he goes out and fights fights people at the weekend. And he does you know a good family man. He doesn't seem to be a bollocks or anything. And you know that's the that's sent me a free the, T-shirt, signed free T-shirt years ago. Really? For uh, yeah, Stipe. Yeah, I, 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 and he must have had some kind of competition going. Yeah. I just followed him, went under the severe accounts, uh, before a lot of like just. You think he was just in the UFC, maybe a fight in the UFC, or hadn't even fought in the UFC, or he must have fought in the UFC if I followed him. Mm-hmm. And he uh, was doing some competition or something I didn't know about, and it was like, oh, my next. 100 fo- next 100 followers or follow me or whatever I'll give you one of them or five of them or whatever it is a signed t-shirt and I just like followed them I got this DM from them being like oh you want a signed t-shirt I'm like great alright nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, but it came and it's like huge it's huge yeah you actually probably fucking it's that big like I was like what the fuck I was like you sent me the wrong one here mate but it's free though alright the funny thing is that about Steve is remember he was supposed to fight Brian Rottweil on on the UFC Ireland in Dublin yeah Yeah, yeah. and I remember people saying after I was like oh we didn't want to see who wants to see Steve and Miocic fighting anyway it's like like, people were excited before and then like once he's not there it's like ah we didn't want them anyway no but people are actually saying like oh we don't want we'd rather you know an Irish fighter headline that card I'm like fuck you like what the fuck are you talking about people people didn't realize how good steve miocic was i remember he he headlined the card um over in england as well at one stage against stefan struve i was live at that yeah and i was telling everybody people are like you know asking me uh whatever back then who's watch or still now like oh watch your picks or bets for this thing and i was like oh steve base mm-hmm. put, put it on steve because the odds were quite close like they weren't that big i was telling everybody oh steve steve this guy's really good and then he goes out there, it's TKO. Yeah. I'm like, oh, well, oh, sorry about that. Yeah, a lot of lads wouldn't have come back from that either, you know, getting TKO'd in a, or knocked out in a fucking a main event in, in a big fight like that when you're coming up. You know, fair play to Sipe. He's He showed fucking balls. He showed the ability to improve throughout his whole career and to beat someone as good as Daniel Cormier, you know. Longest reigning UC channel. I know it's not like some 8-10-3 like Demetrius Johnson or Hernandez and Silva, but a heavyweight, as we mentioned. Yeah. If you, you get hit with one big shot, you go down, like, and <laughs> you stay down a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think is next for Steve? Do you think they, I think they have to make the trilogy. It depends on Cormier. He said in the post-fight interview he's going to talk to his wife and make an educated decision about what to do next. There's a lot of other opportunities on the table, but, like, there's money on the table here, and there's this guy who, you know, always wants to be the best, and he's lost to John Jones, and maybe he preferred to... You know, not risk the whole John Jones fiascos that always crop up around fights. Um, you know, before Cormier was was, you know, ready to fight John Jones, and he got pulled from the fight with a drug test and all that stuff. So there's no worry that that was Stipe. Like if Stipe, Stipe is gonna gonna like you know if he wants to fight him, it's a much easier kind of fight to put together, and it's a lot less hassle for for Cormier if he wants to regain a belt and then go out on top. Like yeah. it's definitely a, a, he has a good possibility of beating Stipe if they fight again. Like you know, if he fights smarter, mm-hmm. he, he probably wins that. Like, but he is forty. He. The thing about I, DC, I think it does make the most sense. Like, mm-hmm. but I, uh, it is like you know after you lose, he did say himself it's a bitter pill to swallow or a hard 
a hard thing to take or whatever he said. Yeah. It definitely is. But over time, it'll it'll fade, you know, the disappointment. The, the thing about DC is, where does he stop? Like, you know, if he beats Steve, then is he going after John Jones? You know, you're talking when about... When the wheels fall off, of course, it's MMA. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is, but... Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> but It feels like DC wants to pick his time better. And it feels like... And they all say that, though. Yeah, but he, I feel like he's a little bit different. I, I You know, he couldn't have retired when he was 40 like he said he was because there were so many big fights still on the table and the Brock Lesnar fight was still on the table. And okay, those fights haven't materialised and the John Jones fight probably never will now. Uh, but, you know, might be the time to walk away from him, you know, from, from our point well, the John of view. Jones fight is always there. Nobody cares about... Like, yeah, both guys could be coming off two losses, three losses in a row and five years' time and people would be hyped for this fight. Like so. Yeah, but I, I think... The problem is now he can't fight John Jones right now. I think he has to fight uh, Stipe again if he is fighting. And that means he fights Stipe again and then he fights John Jones. So that's, you know, another another year down the line. I'm not sure DC wants to fight or kind of can fight that long because of commitments and stuff. You know, there's lots to talk about him being calm. I'm surprised, though, with John Jones not looking for that Cormier fight yeah. while Cormier was champion at heavyweight because Jones could get a second belt without having to fight. Anybody else at, at heavyweight, he'd fight Daniel Cormier, who he's already beaten once, kind of twice, Not re- got no contest, but John Jones probably in his head thinks, like, I beat the crap out of him that time as well, you know, because he did. Yeah. Um, he, could so, be, he could fight Steve as well, though, I think, but it feels like... Yeah, he could, but I think that like, John Jones likes kind of rubbing it in Cormier's face, and that would have been a really good <laughs> opportunity to rub it in his face again. Yeah, so, so I'm surprised he didn't. It was funny. Someone asked uh, John Jones on Twitter the other day, would you rather fight um, five... five uh, Mighty Mouse size Steepes or one Steepes size Mighty Mouse and he said he'd rather fight the five uh, um, Mighty Mouse size Steepes and I'm like I'll do anything to fucking avoid fighting at heavyweight I want to <laughs> that's just John Jones he just he isn't, seems to have no interest fighting at heavyweight he's calling out Adesanya he's calling early out on in his Beast career like he was talking about it a lot like yeah. you know and then and then when the time kind of came, or the opportunity kind of came a few times, he just didn't seem interested. It's strange. He's a bully, though. That's what John Jones is. And it feels like he just wants to keep bullying lads who are smaller than him and not as good as him. But he's already beaten Cormier twice in his own mind, more than likely. Like, that's what he's thinking. And what's, what's like, what, a few more pounds on Cormier? Just, yeah. Probably makes him slower. <laughs> you know what I, I mean? Know, it's, it's weird on with John Jones because... You know, he hasn't done it like, and he sh- he's the one who should be really doing it. He's he's the one perfectly made for gun up and weight. You know, lots of lads, even like McGregor. You know, he won one fight and he went up and weight. You know, Amanda Nunes won a, a couple of fights and went up and weight. You know, most people now who are going up and weight are only winning a couple of fights. John Jones has cleared out division like three times over, and I know he's been out for a while and stuff. But and there's there's new contenders coming through all the time. But you know, no one's dying to see him fight those ones. I'd love to see him fight Johnny Walker and Reyes and all those lads. No doubt about it. But I'd really rather see him fight. You know, a DC at heavyweather, steep at heavyweather, Francis Ngannou. You know, those are the exciting big money fights for John Jones now, and he feels like he doesn't want them. You know, he feels like he wants to keep bullying the lads who are a little bit smaller than him uh, at uh, at light heavyweight, and you know that'll definitely work against John Jones as well. And we're talking about his legacy, but maybe that'll change over the next few years. Who knows about it? But um, yeah, that's that anyway. Yeah, I just for for Jones though, like it's it's probably the biggest money fight he can he can get as well. So I don't know what the the thinking is is there. Mm-hmm. Like obviously he can fight these guys that he's fighting uh, recently and win easily and make make a lot of money. Maybe it's because the pay per view model has changed and John Jones is why would I bother having a big fight if I'm just going to make the same money and wants the UFC to to pay him a big extra bonus or something maybe that's it but he doesn't seem to 
just be interested at all, which is, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what the reasoning is. Yeah, it's very odd. But look, fantastic win for Steve. Anyway, and I, I hope they make the trilogy. I think they probably will. But sure, look, we'll, we'll see how it goes anyway. All right. Uh, actually, before I, I pass it over to myself for the second part of the podcast, one thing we left out last um, Bellator Ireland is obviously coming up in five weeks here. Uh, the, the cards obviously shaping up pretty well. We have uh, MVP versus uh, versus um, Kylie in, in the comment event, James Gallagher, and loads of other people as well. I was actually talking to Sinead Sinead Cavanaugh there the other day, and she said she's not matched yet for that card, which to me is very surprising, isn't it? You know, I, I thought the Leslie Smith rematch was a no-brainer for that. Maybe Leslie Smith doesn't want to come over and, and fight here. Maybe they just can't get that fight together. But Sinead Cavanaugh is someone after that fight i think a lot of people gained you know we, we've obviously had a lot of respect for her for a while knowing how she, good she is but she's someone you'd want to be getting and pushing isn't she graham and putting on that that dublin card and giving her maybe uh, you know maybe not a big name but a, a, a fight on that card definitely anyway to get her into the kind of the get get her known by by people in ireland more than than she has been previously yeah there's still there's still space on the card these cards are always like monster cards <laughs> so i wouldn't i wouldn't rule out uh, her being matched, but I, I am surprised that she hasn't been. Maybe it's, I don't know. Maybe it's um, who do they actually have in the division? Maybe, maybe they'll end up just they're trying to get her somebody good. But maybe if they can't get her somebody good, they have a fallback of or we'll give her somebody unknown with a yeah. not a great record. So maybe maybe they're working on something and they have her on there. But if they're not, it, it will be strange because mm-hmm. uh, you know. Uh, Probably the like obviously she lost the, the fight on the decision, but most people thought she won, and she's probably like the the highest amount of of or, or the the most known she's ever been. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it's it's a strange one. I don't, I don't know, but. I'd say she probably will end up on the card, yeah. if I had to guess. Yeah, definitely. And obviously, we'll talk about that card more coming up over the next few weeks. Do you think if Richard Kiley was to beat Michael Venom Page, would that be the greatest win? Apart from Conor McGregor fights for an Irish MMA fighter ever, like I, I was trying to think about this. Yeah, it would be it would be a huge, huge shock. Like obviously, mm-hmm. like we we know Kylie and we know all these guys, and uh, but MVP is a really, really elite striker. Um, he's obviously he's he's kind of at his first attempt at stepping up to the real, the real kind of top level. He he lost, but. He, he that can happen like MMA like it's a harsh game you get hit with a big punch like when you make a little mistake or the guy just does something very very well and you lose mm-hmm. like but this guy that doesn't take anything away from how how good a striker MVP is like obviously Richard Kyle he's a very good striker and as well but I think I think MVP's MMA striking we have a lot more of a sample size on that and mm-hmm. we can see that it is very very good and he's very good at uh, doing what he wants in there. Especially when he's not fighting like a, a top top guy, but you know, if you had told me about this fight before MVP got knocked out, I would have said pretty much no chance. And yeah. I'm still saying it's a, it's a small chance for Kylie, but after that, it can change people. It can make them a little hesitant. It can, it can, it, like you know, even not getting knocked out as badly as that. Like the, I always come back to the Francis and Ganyu thing, like how bad he looked in, in his next fight against yeah. Lewis. Like sure. he looked, he looked afraid. To, to commit and as so, well if you look at Stipe today he took a long, t- long time after that knockout to come after back after Dinganu though like he took like, obviously he won that fight but he took like some fucking <laughs> shots that would knock out a lot of people like mm-hmm. you know and rattle the brain and definitely like cause concussion and all that shit or whatever all them whatever the see, like whatever the definitely doing damage to the brain whatever yeah. type of damage it is mm-hmm. and he goes in there and you know gets finished kind of quicker than you 
you'd expect and I know it was a few months later, but it, like these brain, brain, like yeah, these brain. MVP uh, hasn't taken that many much time either, has he? Was it three yeah, or four months? So that's not that much after. A like these brain injuries are kind of an unknown thing. Like you know, mm-hmm. nobody really knows what's going on with the brain. Like uh, it's all kind of developing, and the the latest best knowledge is changing all the time. So it's it's like. We've seen guys take way too much punishment and never look the same. Like, why we always talk about it as well as a yeah. good example of that. Like, he didn't get knocked out like cold or anything, but he didn't matter. He just took too much damage and he'd never been the same. Mm-hmm. Pettis as well out there for a while. You know, I think he kind of rebounded, but that RDA fight changed him for a long time as well. So, yeah, th- that can definitely happen. And, uh, yeah. Uh, all right. We've loads more to talk to. Let me throw it over here to Shawnee for the second half of the podcast. Take it away, Shawnee. Thank you very much, Shawnee. All right, let's get into the second part of the podcast here. And let's talk about some of the, the news and upcoming fights uh, next week. And the first thing I want to talk about is uh, is Henry Cejudo and what's going to be next for him. So we've we've talked a lot about Henry Cejudo, I suppose, over the last few weeks and last few months um, about who's it going to be. Is it going to be Joseph Benavidez? Is it going to be... Um, uh, Algerman Sterling, Uriah Faber, maybe Dominic Cruz, even Frankie Edgar and stuff. Uh, and a few more uh, contenders emerged this week. And uh, let me, f- before we get to one, maybe that might make a bit of sense or might might be possible. Let's talk about Valentina Shevchenko. What do you, you think of this, Graham? What do you think of Triple Z calling out Valentina Shevchenko looking for this fight? What you think? It's, one? Well, it's ridiculous. <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, it's, it's, it's just insane. <laughs> It is pretty insane, but in like for a while there, I was kind of like backing away from this Henry Cejudo triple C gimmick. But over the last few days, I just think it's very funny. <laughs> I really do. I think he's hilarious. Like he knows very well that he's not gonna fight Valentina Shevchenko. Everyone knows, but he's just doing it anyway because it's the gimmick. He's like, I'm a gold digger. I want to get her gold. <laughs> and his his interview with Mike Vaughn was very very funny. The very funny interview with a uh, submission radio as well. Like, I okay. If if you're talking about Henry Cejudo, and it's it's weird because look, Henry Cejudo is a double champion now. He is. Uh, an Olympic champion as well. Henry Cejudo, you can't deny it, is one of the, if not the most successful combat sports athlete of all time. Up there anyway, you know, and he's a lot to, to do, I suppose, as well, because he's never defended the titles or anything like that. But, he's, you know, in terms of gold that he has won, very, very good. And to take him maybe to the next level with the, the fans, um, I don't know if he needs this, but I think it's worked in terms of getting his name out there. Now, there's a difference. And he's having the crack in fairness. Yeah. I said it wasn't saying earlier. It isn't saying that it's not going to happen. I mean, but it, like, you know, he he doesn't mean it. Like, he's just having the crack, I think. Yeah, that's exactly what he's doing. He I, he doesn't mean. I think there's a difference between him, maybe, and Colby Covington, in which, okay, he's playing like. He's trying to play like the heel, but in kind of the annoying, cringy kind of heel where Colby Covington is trying to offend. And. It's when someone's trying to offend, it makes it like, oh, you're reaching here. You're just trying so hard. And no, you're trying to make people like not like you. Whereas Henry Cejudo is trying to have the crack. He's trying to be funny. Like and it's, for a while, sometimes it doesn't work. Most of the time it doesn't work in fairness. But sometimes it just pays off. Like when he was doing that interview with Submission Radio, he was like, Valentina Shevchenko. And he was like thinking, what am I going to say, Alex? And he just went, What's up? And he just <laughs> burst out laughing. It was I thought it was very, very funny. Whereas Colby Covington in that situation, he'd be like, oh, you know, calling out Matt Hughes for crashing his car and nearly getting killed and stuff like that. So like, okay, you're getting your name out there. This is what you want to do. But oh, I think the common denominator between them is 
will that success in terms of becoming a personality in MMA translate into pay-per-view buys or more money for them? Uh, and I don't think I think it probably won't. Definitely not for Colby anyway. I don't think so. For Cejudo, I, I don't know. Do you think if he keeps up with Colby keeps up with the Trump thing, he hasn't like a lot of people don't like Trump, don't like anything to do with Trump. They might end up tuning in to see him lose. You know, a few. I'm not, not saying it's going to catch fire and he's going to be this huge draw or anything like that, but. He's probably getting a few extra eyes of people who support Trump and the Trump people and and people who dislike with a passion. I think it's very minimal. And do you think there's anyone like any non-MMA hardcore fans who will tune in just because here this guy likes Donald Trump? I want to tune in. To see well, him maybe lose. if they like you know if they just happen to be flicking through the channels and he's on ESPN or something, maybe they might stick around to watch him. Yeah. If he's winning, they might be like, "Oh, this guy." Or if he's losing, they might be like, "God, oh, it's good to see this guy get his ass kicked or whatever." You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Maybe, but I, I don't, don't think it's going to be massive or anything. Yeah. But like, it's 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 not. An, it's probably not a nothing. Like, if you just if you just create enough chaos, maybe something will stick. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Something yeah, will maybe. Work. There's always a chance something will stick. But I think I think the kind of the wider point here is that. Nothing will stick for either of them, but the fact that they're both very consistent has made it stick with MMA fans. You know, we've we've had people before, like Nick Lintz. He tried to do this, what Henry Zahudo's kind of doing years ago, and it didn't really work. You know, he had Chuck Mindlall writing bombs for him and stuff, you know, and it, it just, it never really took off because he wasn't consistent with it. You, Everyone knew it was kind of fake, and it just never worked. But these two boys have kept doing it and doing it and doing it, and people have given them platforms to do it, and they've stuck to it, and it's done them well. Now, I think, as I said, the difference is you're trying to cause offence. A lot of people won't like that. Even the people who do find it funny are like, you know, <laughs> how much they actually like it. Whereas the Henry Cejudo stuff... Don't want to publicly support it. Like, exactly, it's either, yeah. like exactly. Maybe they're laughing behind their laptop or phone or whatever, but exactly. they don't want to touch it. Yeah, and where with the Henry Cejudo stuff then, you'll have the people who are like, oh, fuck this pro wrestling, I hate this shit, I never want to see it. But they still want to see him fight because they're MMA fans and everything like that. And then you'll have the other people who kind of will like me i didn't really like it for a while there but then over the last couple of days i like i got into it and people will get into it you know there's a lot of wwe or wrestling fans who like mma and they very much get into it as well um you know there's lots of people who just like the crack as well and like a bit of fun and henry Cejudo, you know what he's doing is okay you mightn't like it but there's nothing like there's nothing nasty about it or anything but he's been doing it for years like you know remember he wouldn't like he did an interview or a bunch of media interviews i think it was even before his first ufc fighter around that time and he was like oh talking about his olympic gold medal constantly wearing it being like oh did i mention i won olympic gold you know he was (laughs) just like trolling a bit a little bit and just having the crack and it's it's nothing new it's just maybe people care now more about what he says because he's this really successful champion now that is true and he's and he's just like you know everything he says is amplified more than it was when he was just another guy mm-hmm. a wrestler in the UFC like. yeah and there's a question I'll ask this question once and hopefully I'll never have to ask it ever again on uh, on the Severe May podcast do you think there's any chance Henry Suda fights Valentina Shashinka no no <laughs> definitely not no I don't think so either yeah you can't rule anything out <laughs> you can never rule anything out like yeah, one but, in the million so you're telling me there's a chance exactly but, <laughs> what was know, all that one in the million talk <laughs> yeah so you're saying there's a dumb and dumber shit yeah but yeah no there's no chance it's not gonna happen it's a bit of fun like the, the big problem is and I heard Joe Rogan actually saying it the other day it's like you know this would really give up the game if they did fight it would really really give up the game for a, a Shevchenko or for a Nunes or anything like that as like this badass best in the world because if they did fight Henry Zahudo, he would 
you know, absolutely destroy him. And you don't want to see that. Like, you you really don't it want to see that. It might look weird. It might be like Henry Tudor not wanting to hurt her and yeah. like wrestling her. It might, ugh, it'd be such a weird dynamic. I don't know how it would look, but it's definitely not going to happen. Yeah, it's definitely not. It can never happen. Um, do you think there's any hope Henry Tudor fights Jose Aldo? Aldo talked this week about coming down to 135 pounds to fight Henry Tudor. He said he... The man nearly collapsed a few times at 145 over the years. He's older now. I just... Come on, like, it... It's really clutching the straws, I think, to go down. It's dangerous, and I don't think Novo, Onyeo, Novo, Novo, whatever they're called, Novo, yeah. um, are the best at, like, you know, on a cutting edge of weight cutting and stuff like that. Like, uh, like you know, Henry Brown had to move it to 145 because he, so many incidents with the weight cuts, and Claudia Gadella has problems with cardio, probably a lot to do with weight cuts as well, mm-hmm. or possibly anyway. I just don't see it as a good idea for Aldo to do that. Yeah, I actually think it it would be okay if Jose Aldo had uh, a better camp at weight cutting. They're a fantastic camp, you know, for fighting and everything like that. But I, I that was the first thing I thought of when I heard this. Is like he he's not necessarily a big one forty five. Or you know, we've seen him against guys like McGregor and other people who are way way bigger than him. Um, I think he could make one thirty five. But yeah. maybe it isn't like you know, it's Teddy Gadella moved camps and she still kind of has problems with tiring out. Maybe not as much as before, but maybe it's like maybe she's a bad example. But there, there's loads of examples of like you know, Henneborough, the story of him slipping and passing out, and Aldo nearly fainting and having to be taken off stage. Or mm-hmm. I can't remember the exact details, but to put an extra 10 pounds when you're already that light and you're already cutting that much weight. And that much water it's it's dangerous and when you're old like when you're when, when you're younger maybe your body can get away with it a bit more like can can do more without it affecting you but to start doing that at Aldo's age I know he's not the oldest but oh, I just I really don't want to see that yeah he'd have to beat uh, the 135 pound number one contender Frank Edgar as well if he was to get that <laughs> of course yeah it's, it's uh, look if, if he could make 135 if he got in you know a George Lockhart or nutritionist or something like that who got him down there I would be okay with it I think it'd be a good fight I think Jose Aldo versus Henry Cejudo would be a fantastic fight he's very good takedown defence Okay, he got beaten for speed in a couple of fights recently. So who don't probably do it at 145, you know? He's not he probably would, yeah. But what, if he was the champ, he would. I don't think he'll just fight Jose Aldo in, you know, a three-round number one contender fight or anything like that. I just, I don't see any benefit. If you're from the right amount of money, but I don't think it's going to be a big draw or anything like that, yeah, so it doesn't really make sense. I like, don't think the UFC It doesn't make sense for Aldo to go down to 135. Like, it, it's, I suppose, like, it, it keeps that, us talking, people talking about it, media talking about Aldo and stuff, but it, a lot of the things that come out of Aldo's camp are a bit, a bit far-fetched yeah that is true and you know we've talked a lot about Aldo going to 130 or 155 as well you know that's probably more yeah he's been talking about that for years like years and years since WBC days talking about not making that 145 weight cut anymore so it just seems very strange they're talking about 135 or if they are talking about 135 now yeah so look I suppose we'll wait and see on that even if they did if he went to, wants to go down to 145 or 135, I think he'd have to do uh, a fight before he got a title fight. You can't throw Jose Aldo straight into, there into a title fight with the weight. I, I think, fair enough, give him a title fight. You know, there's no way you could give Frank Edgar a title fight. But Jose Aldo, I think he's done enough in his career. He's won enough title fights. He's He's been enough of a legend to give him a straight title fight at 135 pounds. But you can't do it with his weight cutting. He, as you said, he struggled before. Remember that video where he's in like the, the bat and stuff before fights and he struggled bad at 145 so i just i just don't think you can do it um all right so give us one name who uh, henry sued actually in that uh in that interview with submission or was it mike bond it was with mike bond he said there'd be um 
he said there'd be an announcement. So by the time you're listening to this, we're obviously recording this before uh, before the UFC two four one. So maybe there's no point giving a giving a a, um, a prediction. We probably already have talked about it if there was, but uh, yeah. So let's let's not bother doing that. <laughs> No, but I'd like to see I'd like to see 125 pounds Henry Cejudo next uh, he said he's going to be out for four months through injury so he won't be back for another while so it might be tough which has already been announced on the podcast earlier uh, so maybe that's the thing but yeah let, let, we'll, we'll probably have already talked about that so let's move on from that um, alright Bellator next week uh, have not a great card to be honest it's it's okay uh, you made a great guess that it was Bellator 225 earlier on Matt Mitrion versus Harge Haritanov Javi Ayala Vitali Minikov and we're only really talking about this because uh, there's no UFC next week so we'll we'll keep this uh, at, <laughs> at a minimal anything anything sticks out there to you Grant what sticks out to me Corey Browning versus Nick Newell Nick Newell getting a, another shot at it. Yeah, I'm always interested in a Nick Newell fight. Like you know, uh, it's a, like you kind of the story's been around for a long time. We've seen him fight a long, long time as covering MMA and uh, being a fan. Like and maybe like people kind of forget how impressive it is. Like you know what he's doing and he has beaten some good guys. Okay, like he went in there against people like Henry C- or um, Justin Gaethje and mm-hmm. like you know obviously that's that's one of the close to or upper, upper echelon guys in, in a really really stacked division like a 155 is just it's unbelievably stacked it's so much more stacked than any other division in, in MMA mm-hmm. and he's got like you know 15 and 2 and he hasn't been fighting absolute bums like it hasn't been these sympathy fights you know you sometimes when like something like this comes in it's like a freak show but it's, it's not like that this guy is genuinely a really good fighter and it's a, it's a really good story and I do like watching him fight and I do like seeing him win Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm look, looking forward to it, and you know he's not getting an easy fight here. Connie Browning has been around; he's, he's three and two. Okay, he's a lot less. Uh, it's five and two. Isn't he? Or is it five and two? Sorry, I'm looking at MMA junkie here. So it's change that MMA junkie. How dare you? So he's been around for a while as well. So you know, uh, not a not a, a particularly easy fight there for him. Uh, Austin Vanaford, who's the husband, I believe now of uh, of Paige Van Zandt, is on this card as well. So he looks like a good prospect. He was on Dana White Contender Series there last year, and he didn't get signed up, but I think he did win his fight. Um, Ricky Bandejas, obviously the guy yeah, who knocked out knocked out James Gallagher last year. He's on this card. I think it was actually uh, exactly a year. Why is ago he this so week. far? Why is he so like? Why isn't he on the main card? Or, or is this nobody really knows about Bellator? Which order? I think nobody knows until the next fight's called. Yeah, maybe he, that's just he could be the main event on Bellator. Like. <laughs> who knows? Yeah, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing him back. You know, if he wins that fight, maybe that James Gallagher rematch is something that could happen early next year if Gallagher was to win here in five or six weeks coming up. Um, so maybe you know, and he lost his last at least one fight anyway. I think maybe he's lost a couple since the Gallagher fight, but he's lost one anyway. So, you know, good to see him back there as well. He's definitely a talented guy. Um, and then, you know... Minikov. The, yeah, Minikov against Ayala. Ayala's a guy who's been around and fought a lot of the, the kind of the top Bellator heavyweights. Um, you know, Minikov, what is he? 21-1 and one or something like that. Now, how do you see that fight going? I see Minikov winning, but, you know, um, I think it's, it's hard to... It's hard to see much of a method of victory for for Ayala but uh, it was hard to see much of a method of victory for Czech Congo and he got one but Czech Congo is just this awkward knee in the balls grab your shorts just make it awkward and ugly and weird to fight in, in recent years anyway with, with him uh, and that's his only loss on his record in, in his last fight 21 wins Ayala's a bit of a journeyman a bit of a he's obviously a tough guy and people can hit hard at heavyweight but Besides that, I think Minikov should have his way 
here. Yeah, I, th- I think Minakov will win that as well. And, you know, maybe in in the main event, you know, Matt Mitrion against... Um, yeah. against Howard Hanov, like, got uh, some good hands, like, when, when he gets... Like, if you give him a chance, if you're sloppy, like, and Matt Mitrion has been sloppy a few times in the past, I think... Yeah, I think he's, like, much improved fighter from obviously when he was on... When he was really raw, coming off the ultimate fighter and on the ultimate fighter, but he's still a bit... Maybe he thinks he's better than he is, and that kind of might open him up to that big left hand that Haritanov is, is known to land, but he's getting on a bit himself. But, you know, he's coming off a big win about a year ago now against Roy Nelson, mm-hmm. which is obviously uh, finishing Roy Nelson is in in one round is is no uh, no mean feat, even even now. So, yeah, it's it's like I, I pick Matt Mitrion, but I wouldn't be surprised if Haritanov Lands a big shot and puts him away. Yeah, and obviously this fight was hap- happened last year as well, and it ended in 15 seconds because of a kick in the dick, if you remember. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> hopefully it'll live up to These things happen sometimes. These <laughs> things do happen sometimes. Especially in Bellator heavyweight MMA, they seem to happen. Remember, who was it? Eric Prindle and some other guy. They kept kicking each other in the balls, and it was like this series of rematches with strange endings. Where is your look? These things do happen in MMA, as I say. But uh, yeah, um, last thing I suppose before we end this here, and obviously we'll have uh, we'll have talked a lot about the the upcoming or the last week's card. We have to talk about Conor McGregor, and he was in he was in the the papers and online and stuff again this week. And it was funny; a couple of people said to me, "Oh, are you doing a podcast uh, about Conor McGregor and the whole punch this week?" And I'm like, "Like, well, what's the point, really? Like, you know." Uh, to me, I barely view Conor McGregor as an MMA fighter anymore. Like he's fought once in like the last three years against Habib. He's he's just out there like selling his whiskey and getting into fights and throwing phones around and stuff. Like we we talk about MMA, you know. We okay if it's if it's John Jones and he gets uh, a fight is called off or you know he fails a drug test or something or if McGregor does something bad and the fight is called off or before the Habib thing, we're going to talk about it now. But like. We, we like to cover MMA and things outside of MMA just kind of annoy me a little bit. And and this sort of thing as well, like, okay, if we, well, you want to talk about Conor McGregor personally, what he's like, how he's, uh, you know, how his career is kind of going. It's obviously very sad, like, we we love MMA. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, John Jones or a, a Daniel Cormier or a, any great fighter. Like, I hate to see this, you know, great fighters doing this. And, okay, it's this is maybe a minor incident, but there's a, lots of things have kind of happened over the last while and it's just kind of why, why? and I, I, this one as well was like especially sad like this to me like you're a, a 30 31 year old lad with with two kids and you're a millionaire and you're in a bar with like 60 year olds you know making them drink your whiskey it's like come on just, just come on just spend time with your family go on train or something like that if it would be like if you're out with your friends or something you know everyone can enjoy themselves fair enough but this was just this is just sad, to be honest. And I, I don't like talking about things like this with, with anyone. I just wish Conor McGregor would be in the in the gym, would be back training, would be back fighting. You know, he's obviously he's selling his whiskey and he's selling his his uh, shirts and his suits and stuff like that. And fair play to him. If he wants to do that, go on and, and do that. Uh, but for MMA, like, I'm kind of just sick about, uh, sick about talking about it, to be honest. And, you know, and I, like... The, the weird thing as well, like, a lot of, I think, Conor McGregor's fans and his diehard fans have fallen away from him. I've seen a few people. I always look, there's, like, a few people, and they're like, uh, I'm kind of sick of him now. <laughs> you know, I, I can't, I saw one, I, I think it was Nate Day I said it, who's obviously a big fan of McGregor for a long time. He goes, I can't believe I used to idolize this guy. I know there's a lot of people like that. There's a lot of people like that. And obviously, you know, his friends and his teammates and his coaches and stuff that are close to him are always still going to be close to him and still going to be very loyal to him and always will be. And he needs that. He needs, you know, loyal friends like that. But I think he's losing a lot of fans just because he's not fighting and because of the way he's acting and stuff like that. And, you know, it's very unfortunate. Obviously, Graham, you've been around Conor McGregor. You know him for a long time. What's your, your take on kind of what's happened this week? And stuff? 
Yeah, well, like it's it's like you know stupid, like you know it's it's some Russian blood to the head or whatever. It's it's not like you know if you if you if you thought about that, you, there's no way you do that. Like you know, it's obviously just just a moment of madness. But there's been a few of them now, so it's like it's just you know tiresome, I suppose, as you're saying to a lot of fans and to a lot of haters or whatever. It's fuel, um, and it's just. Yeah, it's just there's just no need for it at all. Like you know, it's it's just nonsense. Yeah, basically. Yeah, well, uh, I read somewhere it happened months ago. I yeah. Like I don't know when it happened or whatever, but uh, yeah. it's just it's just yeah, it's just so unnecessary and uh, just stupid. Basically, like the one maybe good thing to come out of this was it was a few months ago. I think it was April, and we haven't really heard that much since. You know, there's a few incidents and stuff along the way back then but in the last three or four months since he's kind of got the hand injury and stuff maybe he's quieting down a little bit and maybe he's realized that that you know these things need to kind of stop and if so i hope they have and i hope you know he's he has quieted down a little because he needs that at this stage like in fairness but you know yeah, i can't remember when was the the phone thing was that? that was that was the end of last year i think was it or was it, it was six months know. or so ago anyway it was a, it was a while ago yeah yeah, so. I don't know. Just like it's like with John Jones, where it's it's you know people just don't even talk about it that much anymore because it's just like oh, okay. Yeah, it is true. It is true. Uh, all right, before we go, um, a few a few questions. And one thing as well, let me give a shout out. We've. Uh, for some reason we've had a great week on patreon this week so fair play to all of you who have signed up um like more people have signed up i think in people the last... probably want to hear about the, the reaction podcast to liverpool being the super champions of europe <laughs> how dare you uh, we, we've put out a good bit of stuff in fairness in the last few weeks and a few months and it, i'm i'm really proud of what we're doing on patreon so if you want to sign up and get that stuff patreon.com forward slash severe my podcast it costs just over a euro a week so you get loads of stuff like that early access to this podcast uh the the rewatch every week i did the state of the ufc address last week i had steffi on to do the betting podcast and loads more stuff we'll have one of them every month as well and loads of stuff so uh shout out to Toronan, uh andrew stacy stacy's a big um, contributor lately to the severe mail podcast and stuff so uh, to stacy uh george lonsdale curtis ben mike uh wizard which is jeremy andy uh brendan green will Mike as well, and uh, there's a few more people there as well. If I miss any, you give me a shout, and I give you a shout out next time. So thanks very much to everyone who signed up. Uh, thanks to, to everyone who will sign up, and if you haven't signed up yet, sign up. Uh, SevereMed.com forward slash pint p i n t s price of a pint a month, about a euro a week, euro twenty five a week. So yeah, at the bad. time of recording, it's four euro fifty. Oh yeah, so that's not too bad. Yeah, but about a pint in Dublin. So you'd, be, you'd be doing well to get a pint. Yeah, uh, pint in Limerick maybe. You'd actually, be doing yeah. very well to get a pint in Dublin, yeah, anywhere in Dublin. You wouldn't. Maybe a GAA club or something. You might. Maybe, you might yeah. be sniffing four fifty. Yeah, maybe. Uh, we've one or two questions here from. Uh, obviously, we'll have the Q and A on Tuesday morning. So if you have any questions coming out of this at Severe Med Pod, uh, and we'll ha- answer all the questions from Patreon as well. There's a a, a dedicated questions post every Saturday night in Patreon. So if you ask a question there, your question will be answered. If you ask a question on on Twitter as well. Well, your question will 100% be answered on the Q&A every, every Tuesday. So here's one or two, Graham. Uh, Sean Dinney, what do you make of Nunes versus JDR at 135? Both £145 champs now cutting an extra £10 or 130 to get to 135 Would it not make more sense to go to 145 I've not. I don't know if this was announced or anything, but what do you think of that fight between yeah. Nunes and Durandamy? I think it's a good fight. Yeah, well, I think you, you've talked about it a lot, like getting these guys to fight in a more natural way, especially when it's very similar situation for both of them where you know they've okay sometimes it happens where 
one guy is killing himself to get down there and the other guy isn't and it kind of makes there's a big advantage one way or the other on paper but don't think this is too much the case there so yeah I, I agree mm-hmm. yeah, it's a bit mad I agree as well I'd like to say you can fight 145 pounds when it makes no sense like JDR was uh, 140 or GDR you know, they're probably not even thinking about it they're just sending out oh we'll make this send out the contracts like don't even think about it too much like you know because if they did they'd probably just make it a, a higher weight class yeah that is very true that is very true um there's one here from Benjamin Burry. What do yourself and Graham think about Till versus Lawler? There's a lot of chat about it recently. Would, is that a fight you'd like to see? What do you think of that one, Graham? Uh, Robbie Lawler versus Darren Till? It's a big fight to put Till back in. Um, I think it's a good I, fight like, for him, though. I like the fight, like, yeah. but uh, like, what do you do with Till if he doesn't win that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it just over for him as a, as a title contender? Probably. And you probably want to maybe build him up a little bit more, get that kind of swagger and confidence back maybe it's back already maybe maybe he's just one of those guys but it's a bit of a risk I think there's, there's different matchups you can give him but Robbie Lawler is a bit over the hill like he's been in there a lot of minutes he's taking a lot of damage maybe mm-hmm. maybe they're looking at him being like oh this is a good name to, to get Till there but it's a risky one but I think Till is still can be a big draw for them but if he's if he's gone out there against Robbie Lawler and loses then yeah, it'd be a long road back I actually think it's a good fight for Till because I think he'd win it because I think it's wrestlers and stuff he'll struggle against. Uh, I think he'd win that fight and it'd kind of get him right back into the, kind of the top five contention and stuff like that. So I think it makes a lot of sense. It's a dangerous fight, you know, whenever you're fighting Robbie Lawler. But as you say, I don't think it's the same Robbie Lawler. We saw him against Covington and, okay, Covington's a very, very tough fight, but he just didn't look he didn't look the exact same Robbie Lawler we'd seen a fourth and fifth round and come out and start throwing shots. So I, I, I think it'd personally be a good one. Um, and last question here from Fighting Irish MMA. Uh, who do you think will be the next face of Irish MMA post the McGregor era? Love to show him what you're doing. What do you think, Graham? Who's the who's the next man to come through that can be the face of Irish MMA? We'll obviously we'll never have another Conor McGregor like, but who do you think will be the next guy? Well, James Gallagher, I suppose, is the, the next mm-hmm. at the moment. Um, you have people like your boy and Gary mm-hmm. coming up, but they have a long way to go. It's hard to get like James can criticize him all you want. It's hard to get the attention in MMA uh, that James has, has built up. So. You know, people can say what they want, but I always say it as there's millions or there's thousands and thousands of MMA fighters out there that nobody's ever heard of and nobody will probably ever hear of. But you can, you can definitely, you can definitely know that people who are hardcore MMA fans, like every single hardcore MMA fan knows who James Gallagher is. He's a young guy. He, if he keeps winning fights as well, like, you know, uh, you can, you can turn all those haters around as well. Uh, well, not all of them, but a lot of them as well. Like, in, I just think it's going to be hard to, obviously, as you said, be anywhere near the popularity of Connor, like in Ireland, like, but anywhere, not just in Ireland, like anywhere in the world. It's going to be hard to replicate that. Like, stars like that don't come around too often. Mm-hmm. Don't don't come around at all, really. Like the once in a lifetime kind of thing. Like, yeah, you know, other ones that have come in have been like Brock Lesnar, for example. He mm-hmm. came in, but he had this other thing behind him. It was different. It wasn't like just just MMA. He didn't create the the buzz just in MMA. He created the buzz bringing over WWE fans and with his amateur wrestling credentials as well and all that when McGregor people like for years will be like oh who's the next McGregor well this is going on there is no next McGregor especially the chances of it happening from Ireland are just so slender nil but James Gallagher is the next best the next Mm. best thing in terms of popularity in terms of name recognition 
Mm-hmm. It's like saying, who's the next who's the next Conor McGregor in the UFC? Like, there's none. There, even even if you're a big John Jones, he's not. What the about next the Conor. what about the guy who looks like Conor and fights like him? Yeah, like I was thinking of him the other day. I looked him up. <laughs> yeah, the next best thing, but not quite me. I love him. I love him. Yeah, I love him. But yeah, that's the thing. We're never going to have another Conor McGregor in Ireland. We might never even have another Conor McGregor in the world. Think about that. So to expect to have one in Ireland would be mad. But yeah, look, it has to be James Gallagher. You, you know, James Gallagher. A lot of people maybe talk a shit about him and stuff, but there was a stage there where you could see the improvements being made in James Gallagher fight by fight and he was 100% improving obviously then he had the loss and he's had a few injuries and stuff since and you know he has the, the, those couple of wins now and he has the big fight coming up here against Cal Eleanor and you definitely wouldn't rule Cal out he's a very good fighter a, a fighter as well so if he can win that main event maybe you know get a big fight in against a Ricky Bandejas or a Patrick Mix or someone like that and then you know you could be talking about James Gallagher getting a title fight in the next uh, year or so in Bellator and that could even lift him even further and already he's selling out or somebody could come out of absolutely nowhere mm-hmm. and be a bigger starter kind of regular in the UFC but the chances of it are just so slim really Very slim, like it wouldn't be so special the whole Conor McGregor journey and the way people got so invested and attached to it if it just happened every couple of years or every five ten years it wouldn't be wouldn't be so special it's like it's this is like a football soccer relation, but even when Liverpool beat Barcelona, oh, for uh, coming back from three 0 down to win to, to win the tie, it nearly took a little bit away from it. That Spurs did what what happened with Spurs, yeah, uh, against Ajax. You know it, these historic moments kind of come along not very often, but then they happen two in a row. Kind of takes away from it. It takes away from it. For example. Yeah. Connor won the, the the two belts and then went to when Daniel Cormier so Hudo won the two belts. It didn't seem as special. Mm-hmm. And this whole Connor McGregor thing, this whole you know coming in, knocking people out, making making everybody either hate you or love you and be invested in you, it, it wouldn't be so special and people wouldn't be so into it at the time if it, if it just if if it was coming along again in a few years. Mm-hmm. That is it is very true. It is very true. And you know, look. Like in other sports, yeah, crazy things can happen. Mm-hmm. Like, and you know, teams can you know make the right signings and become like these super teams. But the stars, like for example, LeBron James or Michael Jordan or whatever, these guys, especially Michael Jordan, like, they, like there hasn't really been a Michael Jordan since. LeBron is the only one who's as close to him, I suppose. But, but like, probably not. Like, you know, okay, maybe in terms of dollars and view- viewers, there's so much more access to information and stuff like that. But you know, Michael Jordan was kind of before all that mm-hmm. internet and all that stuff. So it was harder to to be this big star. And you know, he was like, we don't. We, obviously, years ago, we didn't have like basketball on TV over here or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you wouldn't know exactly who he was because he's in like movies, and you just would have you would have known and I suppose I think Mike Tyson is the the best example to go with McGregor he really is the Mike Tyson of MMA because Mike Tyson came through and everyone's like we have to see this he was must watch TV everyone would stay up late yeah. to watch him and, McGregor and it's was like, like oh but when he faces somebody this style yeah. or when he faces this you know veteran or when he faces this guy he's going to get creamed or oh his it's all well and good doing this to this guy but you know all the same things were said I suppose mm-hmm. uh, obviously we were young when Tyson was, was doing all that but when you when you hear about it, like people were writing him off, and people were like, you know, he's the youngest ever champion and stuff, uh, Tyson. So people probably had that reason to, to to suspect he probably would struggle against the top guys, and maybe in the end he did. But I think, yeah, I think there is a lot of similarities there. Like people 
go with boxing. The boxing analogy people went for for a few years ago was Muhammad Ali, but I think it's more, mm-hmm. it's more Mike Tyson. It was, it was funny actually a few months ago, McGregor. You know when he met Mike Tyson, he was saying, you know, people are always comparing him to Mike Tyson, and he's not gonna lose all his money and and end up the way Mike Tyson ended up. And I hope he's right. To be honest, I hope he's right. And these these are the sort of times when McGregor should be looking at that post he put up and saying, I need to stick to that. <laughs> and you know, hopefully we'll stick to that. And he, you know, he won't. Yeah. That way, so. I suppose like he has this whiskey thing going now, and a lot of fighters. You know, and when they finish, even if they are very successful and make a lot of money, they, they don't really know what to do or they have nothing to do. And they kind of, they, like, maybe not, there isn't that big of a sample size in MMA, but you look at, like, uh, NFL players, for example, like, a lot of them make millions really quickly and then five years later, they're they're broke. Mm-hmm. So, uh, like, is that something like uh, 75% of NFL players? This could be 100% made up. They're either. They, they're either <laughs> this could be 98% made up. <laughs> they either uh, commit suicide or are divorced within a year after they retire from the NFL. Something like that. You know, it's, it's, it's a diggers. big one anyway. Yeah, so. <laughs> Alright, we'll be here for we'll be here for like four hours if we keep talking about Conor McGregor and stuff. But, uh, yeah, we're we just talking about on. Liverpool instead, are we? Yeah, no thanks. If you're, uh, if, you're, if you're there, Conor, <laughs> who are you supporting? Who are you supporting? Spurs or, or Man City? that much oh it was definitely sport man city yeah i was i was like it's I, terrible yeah why like because because it's man city your, your biggest rivals they've taken over uh, man city Manchester. have never ever been our biggest rivals like never well okay not your biggest rivals but your closest rivals uh, salford are our closest rivals <laughs> Fair enough. i got you on that one didn't i <laughs> Well, yeah, Manchester United Stadium isn't even in Manchester. Uh, in Greater Manchester. Manchester area. It is, yeah. Weekend. The Weekend Red Devils. All right, everybody. Thanks very much for Liverpool listening. Liverpool Champions of Europe, Super Champions of and all, Europe. All this, oh, yeah, I forgot about that Super Cup. Jesus. All that's left uh, to give you now is the inspirational quote of the week. Giving is a lifestyle. We'll see you next Tuesday or Sunday or Monday.